Mm. We could just close a prayer after that. It's a little convicting, right? So, uh, hey, uh, I, again, I, we're gonna get into some heavy stuff today. Before I do that, though, I, I don't wanna rush past this moment. And here's what I mean by that. I, I really believe that this is a moment that's gonna change some people. I, meaning this, I wanna, I wanna kind of stop and memorialize this moment before we launch into this series because I actually believe this is gonna be in the future a day where you look back and go, I think my life started to change and you're gonna point to today. I think that's what God's about to do in some of our lives. Um, so before we, we do that, uh, kind of get into this talk today, could we just pray really, really quick that God would just break down any barriers or any, like, help us to unclench our fists because we're gonna look at some tough stuff today and it's just the introduction. So, so let's, uh, let's just pray together. God, right now, um, already we just have heard this. That if we're looking to anyone or anything other than you to tell us who we are and what we are and why we're here, then it's gonna be second or third best. And that's what a lot of us are kind of come to a point in our life where we're looking at and going, I don't know if this is the man or the person I'm supposed to be. I think it's supposed to be more, but I don't know how to get there from here. And so God, we came here today to listen to you, not Jim, not Flatirons, nobody stance on anything. We just wanna hear some truth for you and how your truth intersects our lives so our lives might get better. That's why we're here. So God, anything that's like resisting or anything that's like a, a, a wall we've put up, maybe to protect ourselves or uh, because we got hurt in the past and, and by church or by other people, by men, uh, whatever that is, I just pray that for, for just a few minutes, we could maybe just drop that guard just a little bit and hear from you, and we can always put it back up at the end of the service, but we just wanna hear from you today. Because if you could get, in, get inside of us, inside our heads and hearts, the world just changes. And so that's what we're boldly asking for today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so we're gonna, we're gonna be looking at some tough truth today. But today is gonna be more of a, I'm gonna call it an introduction and an overview of what we're gonna unpack together over the, the next month. So if you hear something today and it makes you just kind of stop and go, well, what's that supposed to mean? Which you're gonna hear a lot of, I'm just gonna tell you, right, right? Just hang in there and then hopefully, eventually, the bigger picture uh, starts coming into focus so that you begin to see and understand how all these truths like will or could kind of change your life, mean for you. Is that fair? So, so just, just lean into them, okay? So, so I wanna start today with, with, I'm gonna say the most important, but I'd say one of the most important verses in the whole Bible when it comes to the very, very clearly defining who and what you are your identity and your value, why you exist, why you're on this planet, what your life is to be about. So my, my, my purpose, my mission in life, it's found in chapter one of the Bible. So if, if there's free Bibles in the back of all of our campuses. You can grab one if you want. You can follow along on the screens, but grab one on your way home because I want you to, I want you to read through this even during the week. But uh, on page one of the Bible, we kind of find out who we are. It says this, so God created man, and man then in the Hebrew is mankind, so people. So God created people in his own image. In the image of God, he, God created him. Male and female, he, God created them. Now we've probably all heard something like this before, but we need to kind of hit pause and, and let this sink in. Like, like the weight and the meaning and the implications of what God is doing here, because in that one verse right there, here, I'm gonna make it really, really clear. Both male and female, both men and women, are equally created in the image of God. Both men and women are equally created in the image of God. Men are like God and women are like vice God. And it's not that. E equally, it took both genders to reflect the image of God. Every, every there, okay? So ladies, 
Are you included? All right, there, there, all right. So, all right, so the other thing is, whatever a man or woman is or is to do as they live out their life, it will be for the purpose of imaging and reflecting and then imitating, this is what God is like. The point of my life is to walk around going, this is what God is like. And here's what that one verse means and is repeated over and over in scripture. If we really are created in the image of God that he shared with us when he created us, that would mean that the purpose of both a man and a woman's life is to whatever you do, reflect God into wherever you are. Or to put it in more like biblical, like spiritual terms, and the way we take notes here at Flatlands, we just take pictures of the screen, goes like this. You, and we're talking about you, not like y'all, like human, or you, okay? You were created, or you exist, to be an incarnational, that means in the flesh, expression of the character and nature of God. That's why, you're, that's why you were born. To, to, to express the image, the character and nature of God. And some of us going, well, I never thought of it like that. I just wanna go to college and get a job. I just wanna be a doctor or a plumber or a teacher or a mom. Great, go for it. But as you do that, you have a higher calling on your life that whatever you do, as you do it, you are to reflect the nature and character of God into whatever you do. I don't care if you're a school teacher or you're in third grade, this is why you exist, all right? And it gets better or, or heavier. All right, because here, here's the next verse. Look at this. And God blessed them, you, all right? And God said to them, no, follow along, right? Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, all of those underlying like, commands that God tells us that we're to do as we reflect the character and nature of God, those are all, if you look at them, ruling commands, right? Have dominion. And who has dominion, who rules? And the answer is kings and queens rule, right? So, so let me kind of expand on that definition a minute ago, right? You were created, you exist to be an incarnational expression of the character and nature of God, the king and ruler of the universe who commands you to rule over everything that he has created. Wow, that's a lot. God made a choice to not just share his image with you, his nature with you, his character with you, but he also, he, he made this choice, right? He made a decision to share his authority with you, his ruling authority over everything that he has put in front of you in his world that he created. In other words, God created you like him, and then he commanded you, lead it, reign over it, take care of it, every part of my creation, and do it in the same way I would do you take care of her the way I would take care of her. You take care of them the way I. You rule over the way I, I would do that. You take care of it. It's still mine. I want you to take care of it for me. Everybody following me? Nod your heads. All right, now, as overwhelming as that may seem, and it does seem pretty overwhelming, if we're going to image the one true God who is creator, king, and ruler of the universe, we better know who he is. We'd better know who the one true God really is and not some version that we have bought into along the way or that we have created to accommodate what, what we want him to be so we can do what we want to do. And here's why this is so important, to know what it means to, to, to be created in the image of God and what's at stake if we get it right and what's at stake if we get it wrong. I'm not, I'm, again, I've told you, I'm reading books now. You're welcome, all right? Um, so, so there's a great author, uh, he died the same day John F. Kennedy died, so he's been dead a while, but a British theologian, his name's C.S. Lewis, he's written a lot of things, Chronicles of Narnia, different things like that, right? He's so deep, all right? This is, this is C.S. Lewis, it's pretty long, and you have to look some words up later, I did. All right, so here's what he says about, about being created in the image of God. He says, 
It is a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses, because we're imagers. To remember that the dullest, most uninteresting person you can talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship, or else a horror and a corruption such as you now meet, if at all, only in a nightmare. That's the potential in all human beings. All day long, we are in some degree helping each other to one or the other of these destinations. It's in the light of these overwhelming possibilities, it is with the awe and the circumspection proper to them that we should conduct all of our dealings with one another, all friendships, all loves, all play, all politics. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal, and their life is to ours as the life of a gnat but it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. That's who you're sitting in a room with. You just gotta let that sink in. Now, the purpose of this series is very simple. It's not gonna be easy, but very simple. For us to know who we are, men, right, and ladies, right, why we're here and how we are to live our lives, we have to look to and know the God that we were created to image and reflect. Now, hold on to that. Okay, so that was in the very first chapter of the Bible. We're gonna skip ahead several thousand years to some verses that were written 2,000 years ago which describe 2021 to a T because the Bible's alive. It doesn't go out of style. It's still people are people, right? A guy named Paul writes this. He says, and we're gonna see how imaging goes wrong. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm gonna unpack that with you in a minute, right? I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, so the message came to the Jews first, and also to the Greek, then the rest of us. For in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, all this good about God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Now we're gonna talk about this more later this month, all right? But in very simple terms, Paul, the guy who wrote this is saying this, without shame and without apology, I'm just telling you this, I'm gonna hold on to the gospel. Now, let me just clear this, because we have a lot of church people or non-church people, whatever, right? We all have a, a definition, all right? The gospel is more than, I'm a sinner, I put some faith in Jesus, he died for my sins, and now I'm forgiven, and I go to heaven after I die. It's that, but it's so much more than that, right? Pa Paul is saying that the gospel, and here's what, when he says gospel, he means this, the story that began in chapter one with creation, where we were meant to live with God, was ruined by sin because we rebelled against God and told him to butt out of our lives and mind our own business. The Old Testament, the, the story of God reaching out to his people over and over and over and saying, just follow me and live with me, right? This is what it looks like to image with me, all right? Our constant rebellion and failure to do so, and then God eventually sending his son Jesus to say, this is what it looks like, and then Jesus paying for our sins and mistakes by dying on a cross, buried in a tomb, and then rising from the dead after three days so that living this kind of life with God is now possible. How is it possible? By the same power that raised Christ from the dead. That power now lives in you. Impossible things are now possible. That's the gospel, and it's made possible by faith, holding on to who God really is and what he has promised. And Paul says this, that gospel can show you all that is good with God, which you're gonna have to hold on to it by faith. Now, the obvious question is this. If I'm supposed to image the good God, how does a person really know what the good God is really like? If I'm supposed to bring him into everything, how do I know what God is really like? This is where it's gonna get really controversial. <laughs> Buckle up. All right, here we go. So, whew. for the wrath of God, no, I'm talking about here, okay. I don't like to talk about the wrath of God. Then you don't wanna talk about the love of God. 
Because you can't have love without wrath. I'll give you an example. If somebody rapes your child, what's your response? It better be wrath or you don't love your child. You follow me? Because God hates what sin does to his children. So there's a love, but you cannot have love without wrath, right? Because if I said, oh, I just love everybody, so have your way with her, I'm a bad dad, and you would not say I love my child. Is that right? So when I may get hung up on the wrath, okay? That's what I'm talking about. Here's up. So the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. And wrath here would be this, right? God is gonna hold people accountable for living their lives in a way that does not reflect his nature and character. And the only way, according to this verse, to not reflect the truth of God is by intentionally suppressing it. I don't want it to be true. Suppressing it, pushing it down, denying it. I, I don't want that to be true. Now, keep reading. It gets better, worse, all right? So, for what can be known about God is plain to them, and I looked up to them, it's all human beings, ever. For what can be known about God is plain to them, why? Because God has shown it to them, all human beings. Let's keep going. For God's invisible attributes, like what God is like, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived, understood, ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they, who is that again? All of us are without excuse. Now this is really huge. And you're about to have fireworks go off in your head right now and a million questions go off in your brain because what we just read states that God has revealed enough about himself and what he is like to every human being who's ever been born on planet Earth to the point that he can hold them accountable for not living in a way that reflects him. Everyone, right? Including everybody listening to my voice and all those hypothetical things are coming up. What about the guy on the island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean? What about the guy in China who lives in a little village out in the middle of nowhere? God, I don't know how he does it. God has put within every human being, because we're created in his image, an intuitive knowledge of him and what he is like, and he's how much enough that he can hold you accountable to say, no, you knew the right thing to do. Right? I don't know how he does it. He just says that he does it. But before you go off on some hypothetical, I don't, I don't think that's fair to the person over there, let's not talk about them. You know. You know. You feel something inside going, somehow I just know it. God's like this. Right? Now, let's keep going. Nobody left at this campus anyway. All right, so, so now here, for although they, who's they? Us, every human being, right? Although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him as God, but they became futile, empty in their thinking, and their foolish heart were darkened. Claiming to be wise, welcome to 2021. Claiming to be wise, they became, what's the word? Fools. And exchanged the glory, all this good, of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, this is how God responds to that gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because, here it is, they, we, exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshiped and served the, create, the creature, created things, rather than the creator, who is blessed forever, amen. Now this explains, this explains every sin and mistake since the beginning of time. God says, this is what I'm like, and this is what I wanna do through you. 
and you're like me, and so I'm telling you to image and reflect what I want done in my world, in how we treat other people. Here's what I want you to do with your family. Here's what I want you to do with your, your body sexually, all right? And, and our response is, I know. I know what God commands. I just don't wanna honor that. I don't wanna do that. I have, I think I would be a better God for my life. I have a better, wiser way to live my life. And so they, and they is we, take the one true God, which doesn't line up with the way that we want truth to be true, and what we wanna do and pursue, and we just do an exchange. We exchange the truth of God, and we, we, we have a lie. We reinvent a version of God that not only allows us to do what we want to do, but we, we don't stop there. We invent a God that gets on board and blesses what we're gonna do anyway, and then we justify it by saying this, well, I just believe that my God would want me to be, or you know, the God that I would worship is the God, right? And the rest of that sentence is, I, I, I want a God who wants the same things I want. Basically, I want him to get on board with my selfish happiness. And if he doesn't wanna do that, then I just reinvent a new God and I'll worship him. God says in his word, this is truth. This is reality. This leads to life. This is this is what, this is the best life possible for you. And we respond, but I want something different. So we reinvent, we reinvent God into an image that we create ourselves and tell us that our God serves us instead of us serving God. God works for me. He saved me, and I'll let you know when I need you next time. Now, in order to do that, we have to trade in true God and recreate a new version of God so we'll get on board with what we wanna do. Or how about this? You say, well, I'm not in that camp. We see stuff happening in our world right now, and we intuitively just know that doesn't seem right, that doesn't feel like God, but I don't have the words or the theology or the depth to explain why it's not a good thing, so we do nothing. I don't know how to talk about that. And the world around us sinks deeper and deeper into confusion and darkness and death. And please hear me, the world is getting worse, not better. Because men without the one true God is lost and capable of incredible evil. And we're proving that every day. Why? Because we're leaving God out or we're pushing God out. We're suppressing down God's truth, which is the only thing that is true and really does work long term in his world. I'm, I'm gonna give you some areas. Oh, I'm gonna get in so many emails. But we're gonna get out of the hypothetical. Like, what does that mean? Ah, oh, here you go. All right? So email me at benfoot. <laughs> All right, buckle up, all right? I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just saying, let's just look at our culture. God, God defined marriage regardless of what some earthly man-made wisdom, some pre-court rules, and God will never be on board with flippant divorce or same-sex marriage because marriage is meant to reflect his image completely, which is why God made us male and female, and then in marriage joins us together by his Holy Spirit to reflect his trinity, who he is and what he's like. So he can't, and he never will get on board with any definition of marriage that doesn't reflect him properly, and the only way for you to get on board with something that disagrees with God is to reject God and suppress and reinvent a false version of God. You didn't hear that anywhere else this week. Right, but you say, whoa, 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 whoa. People can't help who they love. Right, take a picture of this. God is love. Love is not God. We do not worship emotions. Because you know what, you can't help that. Then you can't help who you, who you hate. So let's just give up on racism. We hate who we hate. Nobody's in that camp. 
See, we worship God, not feelings. And even, I'll give this to you. Even if a person can't presently control how they feel, gay or straight, okay, I'll give that to you. But every person with the same power that raised Christ from the grave, which is available to every person listening to my voice, you can decide how you are or are not gonna respond and pursue how you feel. But that doesn't seem fair or fun. So we just change God, and now I can do anything I want. Don't clap, because I, I, I want there's a football game on, and I want to get home. All right, so... I have my priorities. All right, we're just gonna go in for this, okay? God created two genders. And anything that pursues something else is the result, I understand, but it's the result of brokenness in a sinful world, and the only way to embrace anything else is to reject God himself and reinvent a false one that accommodates what we want to be true. And we say it's because we love people, but the most hateful thing I could ever do to God or this other person is say their sin's okay. God will never get on board with Right? Abortion as birth control, as, hey, Jim, it's just the way it is now. That ship has sailed. No, it hasn't. It's still the murder of an innocent life, and God is life, and therefore God can never get on board with the murder of innocent life. So to be okay with abortion on demand, you have to reinvent God. And the one true God will not be reinvented. He cannot. He's God, and you are not. Now, now, time out. Everybody take a breath. Whew, I'm, right, right? Do not put words in my mouth or God's, worse yet, God's mouth. Not once did you hear me say that God doesn't love people who disagree with what he says is true, who disobey what he says is true. He does. That's why he sent Jesus, his one and only son, so that when you and I do things, and we all have done this, that disagree with his truth, that's the definition of sin, forgiveness and salvation are made available to anyone who by faith, ready, repents and turns away from that and then walks back towards Jesus. That's the gospel that saves people, right? See, here's the problem. Here's the problem, I'm about to blast Christians, right? Here's the problem in the church today. And when I'm talking about the church today, I'm talking about most churches and most Christians. We love to talk and sing about Jesus, our savior. He rescued me, he reached into the pit, he he brought me out, good, all right? The one who loves us enough to lay lay on a cross to save us from our condemnation or our sin. I absolutely love it. So we all, if you call yourself a Christian, at some level, you believe you're saved and forgiven and you're going to heaven, but we just stopped right there. That's enough. Not going to hell after I die. That's all I signed up for. Please hear this. And this might be the most disturbing thing. And you've already heard some disturbing things. This might be the most disturbing thing you hear today if you understand what I'm about to say, but it goes like this. You cannot accept Jesus as your savior without also accepting him as your Lord and king and ruler of your life. You can't pick and choose. You can't, I just, just, I just, it's a buffet, right? I'll take a little love and forgiveness. I'll skip right over the obedience part. But if you do that, you're trying to reinvent Jesus into someone he is not. See, he is both savior and Lord, and you cannot have one without the other. See, listen, you're saved. You're saved, I'm not questioning your salvation. I'm not even questioning your love of God. You're saved, but you're saved so that you can spend the rest of your life in this life becoming more like your king taking on and aligning your life with his nature and his character and his heart and his mission, which is based on his truth in his world. Let me talk to men for a second. You wanna know? You don't know why we struggle with identity and purpose and confidence and fear and shame and insecurity and failed relationships and adultery and pornography. You know why? Because we want God to save us, but we're not willing to bend our knee to him and call him Lord and King. And until we do that, you will never know how great your life could be as a king living under the king of kings. You will never know how great your life could be and neither will anybody else who calls you husband and father. Ladies, you wanna know why you struggle with worth and value? 
while you live with all that guilt and shame for all the times where you have regret over doing something or giving too much of yourself away and you can blame it on bad men for your problems, but at the end of the day, is it possible you were looking for something in a flawed, selfish father, husband, or boyfriend that really you could only have gotten from God? And God and his truth are the only truth that gets to define you and when you look for it in someone else, you might not have meant to, but you, you rejected God and that's why part of your soul feels dead and empty and hopeless. I hope I'm wrong. Am I? <laughs> this is just the introduction. Well, it's the last time I'm coming to church here. I hope not. But look, I just thought I'd rip the Band-Aid off and just call out the upstream deeper problem that every man questioning his identity as a purpose as a man and every woman looking to all the wrong places to tell her who she is and what she's worth, and it's this. Hey, hey church, we have turned our back on the one true God. And what he says is true. And we've been following a false God that we made up. And that God is failing us and failing our children. And the reason that, that God is failing us is because he's not real. He's an idol. And that by definition, we're talking about a deeper spiritual problem that is rooted in the pits of hell. Now I'm not gonna get, yeah I am, I'm gonna get a little weirder here. Uh, please know this. There is a specific scheme formed against you by Satan, who wants to not just kill, steal, and destroy you and everything you love. Before he kills you, he wants to humiliate you and oppress you and crush you and rape you and cover you in guilt and shame and regret and then take your life from you. And we'll get into this more in your series. More than that, you know what? He wants your children. He wants to emasculate your sons and he wants to, your daughters to be ex exploited and devoured by lust-filled men on the hottest porn site out there. That's his goal for your daughter. And then he'll kill them. Now, I'm, not, I'm not gonna leave out with daughters because I have a friend who works in uh, uh, law enforcement who deals in sex trafficking and he just busted a sex ring in Golden where half the boys that were being trafficked, half the, half the kids being trafficked were little boys. And they weren't poor little inner city boys. They were suburban white kids who signed up for it on purpose. We're broken. Why? Because Satan can't kill Jesus. He tried that and he failed. So he's drawn a target on the image of Jesus which is you and your son and your daughter. And after he ruins their life, he will crucify them unless we turn back to the one true God and call him Lord and King. Now, I told you we're gonna go deep and heavy, but the key to this series is gonna be the reversal of the most common line of thinking in our culture today. You heard it a thousand times this week. And I touched on it a few weeks ago, but this is our culture. It says this, look, first look in. Look into your own heart. What do you want? What do you desire? What do you feel? You be true to yourself. You can be anything you wanna be. Don't deny yourself anything. If you feel this way, then go for it. Then you look around, you surround yourself with people who agree with you, and nobody's allowed to disagree, to disagree with you. That's hate, that's intolerance. So we just surround ourselves with people going, yeah, you wanna be a boy today? You wanna be a girl today? You wanna walk away from your marriage today? You wanna beat up your, 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 your girlfriend today? Go for it, who am I to tell you? And then we, go, we look up, we reinvent God to get on board with what we're gonna do anyway. I would say this, in most churches in America, most people came to church not to be changed, but for God to spring, sprinkle Jesus dust on what they're gonna do anyway. And he will not be manipulated, and he will not be mocked. But what would happen if, if we, and I'm talking about us, I don't know where it's gonna start, so I, it's us. What if we reversed that? What if the first thing we did is we started looking up, who is God, and what he say is true about him and who I'm created to be? 
right? And then when we look out, we look at the world. What's going on in the world that God says to be cared for and ruled over and reigned and restored and brought back to what God wants it to be? And then we look in. How has God uniquely designed and equipped me to image him in this marriage, in this, in this family, at this job, in this friendship? What if I looked up and then I looked out and then I said, here my God, send me. I'm that man. See, I, I heard a story last week, I think that is a good way to end today. A, a, a parent was tucking their little girl into bed one night and the little girl looked at her mom and dad, or I forget what it was, and says, what's God do all day? That's a great question. And the parent thought for a second and just looked at the little girl and said, he fixes broken stuff. Isn't that good? Write that down, that's your, that's your tuck-in story tonight. You're welcome. Uh, See, the God that we've been talking about created us, gave us a mission and a purpose of living and ruling with him, and we've screwed it up. All of us, everyone has fallen short of that. But the same God has never and will never turn his back on us or give up on us. God fixes broken people, and at some level, we're all broken. If we're, even if we're saved and going to heaven, there's part of us that every day still resists God and his perfect truth. But because of God's great love for us and the grace that he has provided to us, it's never too late for anyone this side of your funeral but please hear this, the same grace that takes away your sin and condemnation is the same grace provided to you so that you can't, your life can change and you become more and more like the one who created you. See, abundant life has got to be more than not going to hell after we die. It has to mean something in this life too. See, I love, I love these verses, we've all heard these verses, and I believe them. There is no condemnation for those of us in Christ Jesus, right? Or how about this one? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new, she's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Your past does not have to define your future. The way it's always been in your family does not have to be the future of your family. The way your marriage has always been, the way you've always gotten along with your dad or your mom or your son or your daughter, it can change. The past does not have to define our future. It doesn't get to. And if we do, if we let it, we made an idol and we call it God. My past is my God. And I worship my, I worship my brokenness. Now, if that's true, then it's time to return to God's truth as applied to this new life. And that's what we're gonna run after. No condemnation. New life. Let me, let, me, let me talk to parents. Christian faith is the one thing that can never rest upon past generations. We can't figure it out and go, okay, our kids and grandkids are good. No. Every generation has to decide what they will do with God, the God that we hand to them. And then based on what we hand them, they will make their decision about God and how faith in him will manifest itself in their life. So let me talk to all the parents and grandparents in here. What are we handing to our children? And what, what must they think about the power of God and the church and the power and grace of Jesus? Because I... I don't see a lot of difference in the church and the world. It doesn't feel really distinctive. So what's God do all day? I'm gonna give parents the rest of their tuck-in story here, right? He fixes broken things. But what if the mom and dad didn't stop there and the rest of the explanation went like this? God fixes broken things. And that's what your mom and your dad are trying to do because Jesus is our king and we live in his kingdom and we're part of a Christian community, the church, and we follow a king that loves good and hates evil. And so as your mom and dad, we're gonna fight to see that you experience all of God's goodness and we will fight to the death before we let Satan's evil kill and destroy you. It's the most important mission of our life. It's why God has put us in this garden. Have a good night's sleep. I will, thank you. We got a bunch of students sitting over here, okay? I'm gonna, 
I wanna talk to the next generation. So if you're under 25, I'm talking about you. If my generation has handed you a bad, untrue version of who God is and what God says is still true, you're going, that doesn't seem really appealing, I'm just gonna be honest with you, then you're gonna have to dig in and figure it out for yourself. Nobody can figure it out for you. Who is God and what would your life look like if you began to image him? And this church is forming itself around that truth to provide all that you need to know the one true God. And when I sat down to, to start working on this series, a couple of things became obvious. One is there's way too much material that needs to be covered in here for a five-week series, and some of the material that I, I wanna talk about is so important, but it's also very intimate and personal that it would be inappropriate for me to be able to address what needs to be spoken in a room that contains women and children. I'm just telling you, especially week three, we're gonna talk about sexual brokenness, and I just can't talk about it the way it needs to be talked about with your 11-year-old daughter. I just, I can't, I won't. So here's what I decided to do for the next two, four Tuesday mornings, okay? And it says you have to register, but I, I'm, I'm Pastor Jim. No, you don't. Um, <laughs> just show up. For the next four Tuesday mornings, November 2nd, 9th, 16th, and 23rd, and I can only pull it off right here at the Lafayette campus, so whatever campus you are, I'm inviting all the men of our church to come here from 6.30 to 7.30, and I'm gonna be leading a men's Bible study, and we're gonna unpack the rest of the story based on what we cover in here every weekend, all right? And I don't know how many's gonna show up. It might be 10, it might be 1,000. Bring a Bible, bring your own coffee, something to take notes on. It's one hour, I'll teach, we'll have some Q&A, we'll spend some time in prayer, and then get to work or get to school. There's not gonna be a band, there's not gonna be production, it's just me, the Bible, and whatever men show up who want to go to war to become the great men that God designed them to be. So I don't know who's gonna come. Please come, all right? 6.30, 7.30, and then you can go on to work, okay? Now, I'm done, and I'm early. And I had about 30 more minutes I could've put in there, but I didn't, uh, None of this makes sense. It's foolishness. If Jesus didn't come as a man, love you so much, lay down his life for you to pay for anything that separates all you from God, your sins, your mistakes, your rebellion, my rebellion against God, he took that away, then he rose from the dead on the third day. If that's true, all things are still possible for you. Forgiveness is possible for you. Restoration is possible for you resurrection of the dead part of your life that you've given up on because somebody took it from you, God wants to give it back to you. That's not prosperity gospel, that's just gospel. He wants to give you back the part of your heart that's got stolen. He wants to give you back your dignity. I was, I was, I was driving in today, I was like, and I heard one of those commercials on TV. Let me tell you what, our, men, our greatest need is not low T. How many of you get that, that Instagram commercial? Like, all right, apparently I have low T. Anyway, uh, it's low awareness of the spiritual masculinity that God has put inside of us that the world is waiting on us for us to discover and lean into and take care of our kingdoms. These beautiful women and children in our life, not because they're frail, but because they're so valuable. And if you don't get between the world and your children, Satan will crucify them. Not on my watch. Amen? Stand up at all our campuses. Um, I hope you come back. You know what? It's the nine o'clock service. I hope you call a friend right now and say, meet me at Lafayette, meet me at Denver, meet me at Aurora, and you come a second time. Or if you need this again, sit through this again. I hope you send a link to every person you know going, you've got to see this, you've got to see this, you've got to see this, and then bring them back with you next week. We've looked to everything else except Jesus to tell us how to live our life. How's that going for you? 
So they're gonna sing my dad's favorite hymn. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And all this other nonsense will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. I believe that. So Father God, um, we represent the entire gamut. Some of us are just getting acquainted to you, with you. Some of us have been following you for a long time, but all of us have this in common. We need Jesus in our life. We need grace in our life. We need power in our life. We need forgiveness in our life so that we can take our stand with hands raised, heart abandoned, going, I give up on running my own life. I resign as king of my own life. And Jesus, I ask you to step on the, the throne of my life and I will follow you. And everybody's world gets better because you're the one true king. That's why I worship you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.